0: What's up, Hardcore Humans? Welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. We are thrilled to be talking with Mod Sun. Mod Sun is an acronym for Movement on Dreams Stand Under None. Mod is a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and visual artist with a new solo album out called Internet Killed the Rockstar. Now, being an 80s guy myself, I immediately hearkened back to my youth and seeing the first video ever to appear on MTV the Bugle's song, Video Killed the Radio Star. And what was so great about that song was it was signaling to the world that there was a new era of how we think about and relate to music and our rock stars. And it was that same revolutionary spirit that drove the conversation Maude and I had, where he talked about how his own artistic path involves deconstructing and reconfiguring the definition of what it means to be a rock star. Now, at Hardcore Humanism, our goal is to help you apply the principles of humanistic psychology so that you can break free from conventional expectations, find your purpose in life, and work hard to achieve it. And one difficulty that many people have in pursuing their purpose is that they feel as though that when they're young, they get to have an exciting, wild, and carefree life, but that when they become, quote-unquote, grown up, they have to settle down and leave that feeling of freedom behind. It's only our rock stars who get to keep the party going with the sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. But what Maude talks about is that for him, keeping the party going actually means living not only a free and creative artistic lifestyle, but also a healthy personal lifestyle. And to Maude, this means a rock star life that is truly sustainable, not where he has to choose between burning out and fading away. So let's hear what Maude has to say. We got a lot to talk about. All right, so we're, we're just gonna we're gonna start by getting into it. We talked a little bit beforehand. You talked about yourself as someone that howled at the moon, as somebody who who embraced all of that awesome night energy, and then you had to figure out a way to take all of that energy and bring it into the daytime where it was healthier, where it was more productive. But that's not something that everybody can do. You know, a lot of people feel like they have to be either one thing. They have to be like, you know, a night crawler or they have to be kind of like a boring day person. And I just want to start with with the night energy. You know, what was it like for you back in the day in terms of like how you used to go out, you know, pre-sobriety, all that kind of stuff?
1: Um. So, I mean, to put it very bluntly, uh, first off, opening with a great question. I love this already, my, my friend. Um, I would say that I am deeply um, submerged and very much so from a young, young age um, into the whole idea of the 27 club, man. I mean, that whole energy that surrounded that the whole, I mean, it it almost goes all the way back to like the Van Gogh syndrome and, and all that. So, I mean, this is a great opening question, but like, I was definitely looking up to the people and due to like my father, even right away, the first music I was ever listening to was Bob Dylan, the Allman brothers and Janis Joplin and the band. And um, I was definitely shown what, what, what I thought a rock star was, you know what I'm saying? Um, There's a really big disservice to people like Jim Morrison. Um, who is a brilliant, brilliant fucking poet, you know, super intelligent person. Um, And then Oliver Stone makes a movie where he becomes a demigod. And all you see of him is this dude, no shirt, leather pants on standing on cars on Sunset Boulevard. I mean, bro, ingrained into my memories watching The Doors movie when I was far too young to watch The Doors movie. You know what I'm saying? I was sitting there in the room feeling so fucking weird. I was watching it with my older cousins who kind of knew what was going on in the movie because you're watching this dude, when that desert part hits in the movie and they're fucking out in the desert tripping, it doesn't matter if you know what tripping is or not yet. You can feel this weird fucking thing going on, man. Dude, that shit was just ingrained into my memory. And that was my idea of a rock star was perfectly put. Jim Morrison wearing boots, leather pants, no shirt, wandering the desert, looking for God. You know what I'm saying? Why do you
0: feel like, because I'm sure you saw a lot of movies growing up. What was it about the
1: icon, the archetype of Jim Morrison that was so compelling? Uh, Great question. I'd love to give you the perfect answer here because that is truly um, one of the building blocks that created me. I would say... There's this, uh, there's this quote from, from uh, Jack Kerouac who wrote, and on the road he said, the only thing, it, it, for lack of better terms, I'm not going to say this perfectly, but he said, the only people that interest me in this world are the ones that are mad to live, the ones that never yawn. Those two things right there encompass probably why I embarked upon what, my idea of jim morrison was the fascination with life the ones that really are fucking mad inside man i'm I'm not i'm not talking angry i'm talking like literally really fucking wanting to understand life i mean it's such a simple fucking surface thing to say i want to understand life but i'm talking about like you are too excited about being alive that you can't sleep you don't have time to yawn you don't have that feeling inside of you i've had enough of this day that's what i saw in him i also saw this person that was that believed in the power of 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 the people that came before you i think jim morrison one of his greatest fucking things was he was citing the great poets of the 18th century the 19th century like literally was talking about the greats. And and I think that that was the one thing that I really picked up on the most was like this whole subculture of like all the way back to like Arthur Rambeau, um, like known as the original rebel, like the idea of being the rebel, man. And I'm not talking about rebel without a cause, James fucking Dean. I'm talking about Arthur Rambeau running through the streets of fucking France when nobody was fucking living a wild life, literally like testing the boundaries of life. What, what did, uh, what did like, I love this Jim Morrison talk because we can get into so much psychology and poetry just around the doors of perception and, and all that kind of fucking, what was it Burroughs or who, who was it that said like, you can only like find the, the what life is when you experience it to like the furthest degree, essentially. When you go through the worst fucking thing, you are actually finding out what the best thing is. All these horrible moments that you think are horrible are actually in the future. You're going to look back and you're going to say, shit, that was setting me up for what I really wanted. And having to literally touch the fucking, the gates of hell in life, you know what I'm saying? And live this shit mad, crazy wild step on the fucking territory that you shouldn't cross those boundaries and i mean that a lot of that ideology screams take drugs you know a lot of what i just said screams take drugs there's all these fascinating things that fucking happen in culture due to these people taking drugs and there's all these fascinating things that happen to me due to them and just that, that idea of testing the limits, man. I mean, that, that's, my, that's my short form answer for you is the testing the limits. That's what Jim Morrison told me. He said, test the limits of music by bringing straight poetry, straight poetry and this monotone low voice, bring that and then to style leather clad demon rocker. They called him, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was everything. It was doing everything to the limit, you know? And you know, the thing that you said before, cause there's, there's two things that you brought
0: up and I don't remember if it was the right word, but one was the idea of searching yeah. and the other was the idea of rebellion. And I yeah. think that one of the biggest problems we have in society is that when someone behaves in, in any way, by definition people assume that it's in reference to conventional society so when you're somebody that's a, that's searching or is you know there's this thing in humanistic psychology about the concept of becoming is that that's what life is about it's always about becoming something mm-hmm. you know there's mm-hmm. this this and what you're talking about with you know jack kerouac and william bros this the idea of someone who's always looking for something immediately when it is in the presence of something that is considered more traditional or conventional, it's then called rebellion, which Mm -hmm. by definition means that it's understood in reference to convention. And that already misses the point because you don't know necessarily that these people were being intentionally rebellious. You might've labeled it as rebellious, Cause yeah. you think it's rebelling against you, but that's not where they were coming from. And it changes the whole way that people look at somebody like that instead of being a searcher, instead of being a seeker, it's like, Oh, they're a rebel, which is, which is nice on, on one level, like in a kind of, a, I guess a punk rock way, but it's not that great because you're already now having to define yourself in reference to a, a convention that you don't even agree with.
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the boundaries that a word, um, can create just in general the idea of selfish being a fucking bad term but it literally being the savior of your life is if you put yourself at the fucking top my friend like you know that whole idea um rebellion you know like it is a fucking tricky one again because it's like rebellion you kind of think that you're hurting it's almost sounds like you're hurting someone you're doing something wrong when really a lot of rebellion is self fucking rebellion it's you doing something differently and putting yourself, I mean, just dressing differently in high school. I'll tell you what, like, just to put it bluntly, if you dress differently in high school, that's about as damn rebellion as you can get to just knowing that you are fucking the one that's going to get the fucking, the brunt of being different. I think that's like the source of rebellion is, is putting yourself on the front line to get taken, t- torn apart, you know? And it- yeah, and it's that I
0: remember in the movie Under Siege, like Tommy Lee Jones was talking about the concept of revolution, you know what I mean, as opposed to movement, the idea of something. And again, that term revolution is, is generally used in a kind of negative, aggressive, violent way, which obviously in some ways it is. But but in concept, the essence of it is let like, why aren't we continuing to change? Re-evolving, correct? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would that be the definition of revolution? In some sense. And and it's like, why are people so scared of that? Because they are. Like, it's it's a very frightening
1: thing. Well, t- for- I, I I can tell you why I think. Because oh, yeah. here's, here's a great way to put it, dude. When you're right, they call you a genius. And when you're wrong, they call you crazy. So we're all really walking on that tightrope of, if this works, we're fucking great. If this doesn't work, they're going to shit on me and I'm crazy and and that's the thing that that sucks. And this is one of the things that
0: when I started talking to people who were at different levels of celebrity and and they like and it's this this shitty thing that we do where it's just like you said, we if if somebody goes through the exact same path and winds up on top, everybody pats him on the back, you know, spend, spend 20 years dedicated in your basement to writing songs and whatever. If you come out 20 years later and you're writing hit records, everyone says like, oh yeah, you know, they really knew what they wanted. Good from the thing beginning. you did that.
1: Good thing yeah. you did that, man. But you do
0: that, but you do that for 20 years and you write those, you know, you write different songs and they don't hit. Everyone was like, well, what the fuck you been doing your whole life? And that really? sucks because there's no, there's no respect for process. There's only respect for outcomes, which makes the idea of going for it so much more damaging for people, you know, on all levels,
1: because there's all that fear. I mean, so much fear. I mean, it also builds like this fucking warrior in you where it's like, I'm almost I almost applaud the criticism that comes from all of this that we're talking about. Um, I almost applaud it because. It made me personally, I can always only speak from my personal point of view. So it always made me feel like I loved the whole one in a million theory. Like when I grew up, that was a real motherfucking thing was when you said, I'm going to be in a band, I'm going to make money off music. And they said, that is one in a million. And it made me have to, inside of my heart, say, perfect. I am that one. I am that one. Great. Great. And that makes you feel fucking isolated from the world because all of a sudden there's not room for two, right? And like, as damaging as that is, that's a lot of the warrior spirit that goes into fucking fearlessly making art because all it is is that that amazing painting that Van Gogh painted and he couldn't fucking sell was, while he was alive, it existed. It fucking existed. It wasn't worth shit until someone said that's worth shit. I mean, that's the fucking weird part about art is that, like, if it's not witnessed, it's not a masterpiece. It has to be witnessed. It has to be judged. It has to be put in front of people. Otherwise, it's nothing. It's literally nothing. It's fucking in- insane. But it creates this warrior spirit, man. And, like, that's why I feel like there's, like, why I love doing something like this to you is because I can obviously tell that, that. You're operating on a, I mean, no, no judgment to, to general population, but I mean, there's obviously a deeper way of thinking. And it's like, just anyone who wants to fucking talk psychology is like operating on a different level. But like, I feel like the, the whole place where art lies is that like, it has to be this ultra scary place to be. It has to be scary and uncomfortable, you know? And I think that's Jim Morrison, the exact brings it around. It has to be scary and uncomfortable, man. And like, that's what I think creates this whole idea to, to, to now, however many years later we are from the start of the fucking universe, we're still sitting here going, why are we doing this? You know, what you're talking about, it gets into, I mean, there's a lot
0: of directions we could go. So, but I'm going to, I'm going to take one that we were talking about ahead of time, which is on one level there is a a very singular unidirectional path like you said when you're like i'm going to do everything i can to push myself to the limit that means staying up all night that means taking drugs that means you know g- getting just walking outside and starting to to get on the road Kerouac style gump style whatever style you want right and then the question is is that what happens when that all of a sudden feels like I got a choice here. Do I take that all the way to the Jim Morrison limit? Or do I say I'm I'm doing something that's edgy on artistic level, but it's unhealthy for me physically? And how do you how do you reconcile that moment with this like this pushing of your art?
1: You know, because that's a tough thing to come to grips with. Great fucking question. And to be painfully honest. It's a very sad moment for an, an artist I, I imagine for other artists as well. It's a very, very sad moment when you're making that decision because everything that we just spoke about, everything screams that if you tone down your art will suffer. If you try to live a stable, healthy, mentally healthy, non-self-sabotaging jesus christ if if you if you want to if you want to connect two dots together more than anything it's artist and self-sabotaging because the self-sabotaging the heartbreak quote unquote leads to your biggest love song you know the um the uh the horrible misfortune that happened to you leads to the greatest fucking movie plot of all time and it's a really sad moment to think that you are going to put your art second, dude. Because I want to only be known for my art. I that that is really fucking matters to me. Um, I want to be. We just talked for forty. I'm sorry, probably twenty five minutes about Jim Morrison, dude. I want in a hundred years someone to do that about Matson. I do. I want them to pick apart everything and learn from what I did and all that. And it was very scary to think about putting my art second and putting my future first. And it was that moment where I really had to consider myself standing there in the future and looking at myself and being like, dude, I personally don't think that anyone that died in the 27 club wanted to die at 27. I personally don't think, I don't know. That's my, that's my take on it. And these are my heroes. And if I learned anything from them, it would probably be to live past 27, right? It wouldn't be the notes they hit or the the words that that he used or the clothes they wore. It would probably be to outlive them. I had to really deeply consider these things and and what became what what was such a scary fucking thing actually became the easiest transition of my life and the best thing for my heart ever. Thank you, God, to that. Um, I was extremely worried. I think that everyone around me was also under the impression whether they're artists or not were like, well, you're not going to be as good at music or creativity without drugs, even if they wanted me to be off drugs which they all did. I think they even knew that without being an artist because that is fed to us. It is fed to us, man. It's a human condition to think that this torturing things create the best art. And it's a stigma that I would love to be a part of. Who knows if you can ever break something that's been created, but I like to think that there's a reinvention of the rock star that needs to be done right fucking now and that's what i would like to be a part of if we're going to talk about re-evolution is like the re-evolution of a rock star
0: yeah and you, you know one of the things you're talking about you know because i know you come from you know somewhat hardcore post-hardcore and you know one of the things that was always to me so impressive about hardcore was was two things one is the reconceptualization of a rock star number one and number two just the idea, you know, with Ian Mackay and like the idea of straight edge, like just the idea, you know. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that there were some people who were there are plenty of people who were actually sober, but maybe didn't say anything about it. But to definitively say, Yeah, you can do this, you can yeah. make in you can have a movement, incendiary, edgy music sober, and and redefine the whole concept of a rock star. That that I agree with you. I think that's the next. Level that's starting, it's starting to happen more because <clears throat> Rockstar is being redefined in so many different
1: ways. Absolutely, I think it's really um, a pivotal point in time right now of where something that's created our biggest uh crutch as far as showing the world a fake us which we'll say is the internet i think that that's also going to be the fucking thing that creates the most honest version of human beings that, uh, that could have ever existed because that's what the fuck it is dude i believe that uh that the the longer we go the better we get dude i do i truly believe that i believe that the youth is fucking back in charge man like they're defining what is is relevant and it's not a bunch of fucking idiots telling you what is cool when they have no idea what the fuck is going on i think now is the the opening of all these uh gatekeepers being removed from the picture that that i i've been a hundred percent i agree
0: with you and that in is everything film yes art, everything across the board it's like the idiots are leaving, man. And that's and that's the exact thing. You know, I I use that term like when I work with people who are artists, and I'm talking to them about like, you know, listen, that old school model where you you go in, you write songs, and you and you pitch it to somebody who's then going to take it to the world. It's like that's that still exists, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the only thing that exists. Yeah. And it gets back to that thing we were talking about before about being a searcher. Or a seeker versus rebellion. You don't have to define yourself based on convention anymore. You could just be, you could just be you and find who is who's your tribe, who are the people that you connect with, where's your culture? And that that is a power that we haven't fully, fully realized yet. I think it's gonna be when like your generation is at the end of life and we see everything that's been done. People are gonna be like, oh wow, that's now we can see the pathway. Now we see what that could be. Right. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. And I'm, I'm digging everything you're saying. I think that that idea of redefining a rock star, okay? But it starts with a fundamental premise. It starts with, and maybe it's a question, how do you get that energy, that crazy in a good way, and even sometimes maybe in a bad way, energy into your art in the light of day, instead of like in the deep, dark night, metaphorically
1: and practically. Cause that's a tough thing to do. Um, again, great, great question. <laughs> really great at what you do. I appreciate doing this. I do a lot of interviews where it's just like, oh, feed me something good for once. Let my soul speak, Jesus." Um, so thank you. I would say like I have two two topics that I'll probably bring up while talking about this. The first one is um, I think that. One of the most powerful feelings that maybe we can understand as human beings is discipline. It far it has far exceeded any fucking drug I've taken to feel good about myself. To give yourself a some type of discipline to, to do something, a routine, a thing that you are going to do when you don't want to do it. For me, I can just use a simple example of running. Okay. Just running. Dude, I've never been a person. I haven't owned a pair of running shoes in my entire life. Hand to God. Haven't owned a pair of running shoes until a year and a half ago. And I was like, not, not for anything more than just wanting to tell myself I was going to do this and stick to it. And like that fucking changed everything for me. The feeling of discipline, the feeling of like, not being able to live on this, like, I'm an artist, I live freely and naturally. And if I wake up this mood, I'm going to be that mood. It's like, I found a different part of life that existed with that feeling that comes from doing something so simple as just working out in the day or something so simple as eating, saying you're not going to eat something a type of food, you take out dairy for a month and you fucking do it. Dude, it really changes the psyche inside you. I really believe it does. Uh, It made me feel so good about myself. And it made me feel so powerful, dude. It made me like I said, it just gave me that high that I was always searching for with the drugs, you know, that whole like, dude, I feel really good. Isn't that what it is that we're looking for? It's really not the fucking rush for the first 15 minutes after you take a bump of cocaine. It's not that. It's really feeling good. That's it. It's just feeling good. (laughs) And like to feel good about yourself, discipline is the hardest damn drug I've ever done. You know, it really is. And that, that just right there created the whole like do stuff during the day and be there. Now, the breakaway from that was a little, a little deeper into what we're doing on this planet. I was moving with the moon from 16, no, I'll say from 17, 18 years old. Well, let's just define it from the second I got out of high school until a year and a half, two years ago, I was moving with the moon strictly. Okay. when I mean that I would say I was waking up afternoon for sure. I mean, I'm talking like maybe like between noon and two or whatever, I didn't really become artistic until the sun was going down and the trajectory of the moon was going like this. And then my trajectory was going like this. I was going to work through the night. I was going to party through the night. I was going to fuck through the night. Whatever it was, it was I was going through the night. OK, dude, that shit gets really deep within you as a person when you move with the moon. OK, whether or not they teach you about how important these things are in the books you you get taught in school, like the, the role that we play with the stars is very important. The role that we play with the sun is very important. The role that we play on this fucking planet that needs no power cord to continue moving is very important. Um, and moving with the moon will get deep within your body and you will do what we're saying, the moon energy, dude. Well, on the flip side, I found out there's a really great sun energy, which I didn't experience. And maybe it doesn't work the same for everybody. But when I started moving with the sun, without having to even be like convince you of like deeper thoughts from that, you can look at me within the last two years and see everything on the forefront of me change in front of your eyes from the way I look. From the way my body is looking, from the the twinkle, the shine in my eye, everything has changed by moving with the sun. I think it's a very fucking different thing that happens to you when you decide to work during the day as an artist. Um, obviously, like people that have like a nine to five job would sit there and be like, "Oh, you work during the day?" Fucking real weird. As an artist, it's very different to be making a song at nine a.m. It just is. It's very fucking different place to be. And I made my whole new album like that from the hours of 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. There was no songs made when the sun was down, specifically because that was the energy I was carrying into it. Um, I can't explain exactly what it does, but I truly believe that just the shift of trying to move with the sun affects you deeper than you could like learn from someone telling you what it was, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the thing that you're talking about that's, that's, I think is really powerful is,
0: you know, some of the, the people who I've talked to before, who, when they talk about addiction, you know, one of the things they talk about is that there's a ritual to it and the ritual has to have discipline. Like you have to, you have to like yeah. have a way of like managing you're, you're high. You have to have a way of getting withdrawal. You have to have a way of figuring out how to get the drug. There's a ritual that goes with it. Who is it? All those things. And it's a it's a discipline. As as crazy as that sounds, because the effect is so out of control, it's a discipline. And so many people don't realize that that same discipline, like you're saying, is something that it does. It helps with what it's like to be in the daylight because it's it's reassuring that discipline. Like, wow, dude, I never connected those dots, but dude, yeah. Yeah. That was the dude from that was the dude from Gate Creeper that
1: I got I, I who said that so he connected it for me. That's a really great connection to make that um that's maybe how life goes on for someone that changes. Um and you can use it in like like what I said was such a fucking terrifying thing such a sad moment became literally the best thing that I could have ever done for my art and it's and and it is being able to live in a fucking chaotic disciplinary routine and being able to transfer it into the good things, man. Turning your addictions, taking your addiction for cocaine and turning it in for jogging is a great metaphor of what you can do with addiction. All of a sudden, I'm addicted to fucking doing something good for myself. That was fucking insane to me. I was addicted to doing it and it was good for me. What? Like redefining a rock star, redefining a term. When did, when have they ever told us addiction can be good? Ever, ever ever bro but addiction to the good, right things is is the best addiction you could ever have it's one of the biggest
0: i think it's one of the biggest things that happens in in recovery it's one of the biggest problems people have is that and there's this whole thing like motivational interviewing because the way that people used to get people better was through interventions and they'd just sit there and they'd be like this is why you fucking suck this is all the things that you yep. did to me and and you know but motivational interviewing said hey take a step back hard drugs have no major label marketing. They have no like newspaper. They have no whatever. And yet everybody's doing them. Everybody's found them. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe you should start with, well, like, but why are you doing them? You know? And because every time someone comes in in the office, they're like, I can't believe I do this. I can't believe I do. Co- I, I can't believe I drink. I'm like, what do you mean, you can't believe you drink. Drinking's fucking awesome. That's why you drink. <clears throat> like you, if you're not going to start with that, because yeah. your behavior is telling us <clears throat> yeah, that there's yeah. something great about drinking. You got to start with that. Yeah. And and if you can't start with that, then you can't then say, so we want to keep that. Right. Wow. And that's what you're, that's what you're, you're talking about. Like, we want to keep the good. We don't want to take the good away
1: from you. You know, very, very, very fucking heavy, <laughs> like very heavy, dude. Bravo. Um, drugs have no major label marketing. Fucking insane quote. That might be the name of my next album. which made me think when you said that is like, okay, so why don't we break apart how the fuck these things are finding us? Maybe we're not looking for the drugs. Like why don't we break apart how the fuck these things are finding us? And then look at that. I mean, that's a fucking psychological standpoint right there. Well, it's that idea. It's that
0: idea of being a seeker. And this is the thing that sucks so much is because like, it gets back right into that thing with the art, you know, just because you wound up at drugs, doesn't mean not you but anybody doesn't mean that the whole thing was bad and that's the feeling that we get it's yeah. like and, and 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 if you if you invalidate someone's entire path you know you're leaving them you're leaving them with nothing like you're leaving them with absolutely nothing it's like okay so you got to be a hollowed out shell of a human being to embrace recover and look sometimes people get that way when they're using that much so it's okay for them but sometimes yes. people aren't that's why when you're stepping up and talking about this stuff and people say hey like There's a way of doing this that, that actually can be fantastic. And you get some of those needs met. That's, that's important.
1: You know, part, part of what my, you know, just, just because I'm so fascinated by psychology. I think that being a songwriter, and when I say that, I mean, like I write songs for other people, not just myself. I think that a lot of psychology, I think it takes a lot of psychology to do that because you have to jump in the in, in someone else's skin and speak from their mind. I think that takes like, just is like a great breaking point for understanding how a mind works, blah, 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 understanding that minds are different and why little things that happened in your past or you're bringing around with you today. Like part of what I did when I embarked upon this new journey, which we haven't said, um, I've been now not done drugs or drank in, I want to say about 650 days. I could tell you the exact day, but um, I think 651 days, something like that. I was... You know, heavily addicted to drinking and doing drugs for many, many, many years, over a decade. And um, one of the first things that I implemented into this disciplinary routine um, was going out, was literally going out. The second that I stopped drinking and doing drugs was actually, I was like, I'm going to still go out and be around my friends. And like, fuck yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And um, that's part of, part of me being like, there's, there's this, that whole, when you said becoming like a shell of a human being, when you become sober and all this stuff is like, dude, I thought that I thought that I literally thought that's what was going to happen. I literally have been bred to think that getting sober, the word sober, not the fact that you don't, you don't drink or do drugs. That's totally fine. Like you've never done it. That's totally fine. But the fact that you used to, and now you don't like, I felt like I was, less of a person because of that or something just taught to me now i'm different now i'm the outcast or something um i really wanted to change the ideology of people for that and like yes i have um i'm aware that i have a platform i'm not speaking to the entire fucking world but i have a platform to speak to some people and like the people that see me going okay this dude is literally three weeks sober and he is in the club with all his fucking rock star friends and they're all drinking and he's sitting there drinking a fucking Shirley Temple. I want you to see that. And I don't want you to think that. Yes, maybe I do want you to think actually that that's easy. And maybe I want to make it look easy because like there is a need to fucking change some shit up and make people not feel like you're becoming a different fucking person or you can't be fun or you're losing your edge dude like you're losing your edge no fuck that bro like this is a new age to like maybe i just gained my edge you know i'm i'm for damn sure i'm the outcast in the scene for sure and i've i've enjoyed being the outcast forever you know it's
0: you know i i gotta i gotta shift a little bit because i i you know we were talking on that point we were talking a little bit about Greece too at of time. And I told yeah. you the fact that, and I, I think I, all right, just follow me on this guy. I, th- I think I figured out something was gnawing at me about this, but now that you're talking, I think, I think this is what it is on a deeper level. And you tell me if you think this is fucked up, it's occurring to me that fucking Michael Carrington was the first time. And you tell me if this is wrong, cause it might be wrong. It was the first time that a cool writer was revealed to be a nerd and it still was okay. In fact, not only was it okay; it was better. It was the first time I don't remember there ever being a time. This is now fucking me up because I, I think this is what it is. Because th- this is making you the Michael Carrington of our uh, of your generation. This is like the idea that it always was like you know, like like even in in Greece to a certain extent, one it was like Sandy had to go from being like the nice one. To being like, you know, all with like the outfit and all that kind yes. of stuff, which is fine. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. And and maybe John Travolta had to come in a little bit and like, you know, kind of, you know, make himself a, a jock or whatever. But, but Michael Carrington was the first time that a straight up nerd like got into that and was like, I'm the cool dude. And now I'm getting out of that. And the fact that I'm the nerd makes it better, not worse. I don't, I, I don't do, you th- I don't know if that's ever been done in culture before.
1: I know. I think, I, th- I think you're right. I think you disconnected that. I know. What? Like, yo, again, bravo. Michael <laughs> Carrington right.
0: in Greece, 2 was the one that changed the definition of a rock star without even yeah. knowing it.
1: Yo, and honestly, I think that they're actually as funny as it is. It's like a really deep thing going on there. <laughs> as funny as it is, I think you're right. And like the whole reinvention of like outcast, cool guy, all that. Like, I don't know where where it lies for the future of like what the, the rock star is. Is the rock star a nerd? Like, I don't know, bro. I think like a lot of artists are fucking nerds. I think a lot of musicians are fucking nerds. I think a lot of us sit here and we fucking do one of the nerdiest things ever, study other people's lives. I mean, we all sit here and fucking watch these documentaries like they are the, the Bible to us. That's fucking nerdy. <laughs> Dude, and that's and that's why
0: none of the John Hughes movies would work now. Because all of those movies were all based on the fundamental premise. And this even goes back to like, you know, with Revenge of the Nerds, but 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird oh. Science, the movie wouldn't work because Anthony Michael Hall and Ali Sheedy would be the fucking coolest kids in that school. It was I already know. a problem. I like, no.
1: I mean, it was that's already kind so of So funny, bro. And and you know what? You know what? That's that speaks a lot for the human mind because we chose the 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 path of what would end up. Now we all watch Breakfast Club and then we can see like in the 90s who the fucking cool person ended up out of that group, what it would be. And it was in that in that sense, the artsy nerd was was ended up being the fucking coolest cool. And that's the fucking evolution of the human mind doing that. It was, we were it was, being fed the same preface from the fifties, the forties all yeah. the way through. And then we took that and warped it into the underdogs become cool. It
0: was, I mean, it was a little bit rough already because like it was starting, you know, look, Anthony Michael Hall, I think is a wonderful actor, but it was only so much. He could contain how fucking cool he was like on screen. Like even you're watching and you're kind of like, dude, I can just see you're like in real life. Like you're, you're so fucking cool. Like, I know you're trying and I know, but there was just something about his aura and his like, oh and like weird, and like weird science. It was just like, I mean, you're like, you're doing as good of a job as you can, but it's so fucking obvious that you're like way cooler than everybody, but like those, but like, but you know, getting back to Greece too, because honestly that movie, when I saw that, that you guys were into that movie, I've been like, I've been fucking waiting for like I remember once D Snyder said he was waiting for like Sabbath to like, you know, Black Sabbath to get big again. And I was like, I'm just fucking waiting for somebody to love Greece too. And I dug that movie. I don't know why everyone, everyone just shat on it. Like, but no one Johnny, even knew it came out. No one even right. I mean, it was like Michelle Pfeiffer started with there, Adrian Zemed. Like it was, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was cheesy as hell. But now that I'm realizing what the whole point of it was, was that it was just so that that we could have that little moment where it opened our minds a little bit. And I know you're right. Like what a rock star is. The the whole point is not, is a rock star being nerdy? The point is a rock star could be nerdy. That's the thing. It's not, is it or isn't it? And it's like the same thing with sober. It's like, can a rock star be sober? And the answer
1: is yes. Can can a rock star, like, yo, the whole idea that a rock star is out here like banging new, new chicks every night or whatever, what have you is like, why do we feel like as soon as like a rock star gets married or something that like all of a sudden they're like, shit is less valid. Right. Do you you, you feel that? I think we've all seen that in culture. We go, Oh, well they're, they're losing their edge. Like that whole thing. And it's like, in a lot of times those, that that's what kills the rock star is the perception of that. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I, and I just, I'm fighting for a lot of things. One of them being like the first part of my the first era of my career is Madsen was fighting for the The law of attraction, bro, and the fucking secret and manifestation and all that shit that like now is so heavily regarded as like truth. Like, I don't know, 10 years ago, like, yeah, you did get looked at as crazy if you cited a book called The Secret is Changing Your Life. Like, you know, and now it sounds superficial, like the secret, like really? But like, honestly, like 10 years ago, that was like a secret society in a way, that whole law of attraction and all that and like manifestation and all that. Dude, 30 years ago, if you said like, or 40 years
0: ago, if you said Eastern philosophy has something to do with, with, with change,
1: real scientific change, people have been like, you fucking hippie dippy yo, the power of the mind. If you said, I'm going to use the power of my mind, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You can't, you can't, I don't even know if you can get a grant, like without talking about mindfulness now. Hey, hey. Hand to God. Absolutely. And that's the changing of the tides. That's what I'm saying. You're absolutely right. You really can't like include evolution without talking about quote unquote mental health or the evolution of the fucking mind or the power of, of positive thought or the power of thought in general. You really can't, you really fucking can't. And that's been reinvented. And it would just, it would mean so much, you know, cause this is, and this
0: is like at the essence, you know, what are we talking about? It's like, if you, if, if anyone wants to do something for people's mental health, the thing that you could do is change the question from being like, what are you doing to, Hey, what are you doing? Like, yeah. that's it. That's it. Like right there, you've just changed an entire person's way of, bro, that's some punk
1: life. rock shit right there, bro. Yeah, that's, that's like, like some it's punk like, rock shit.
0: And, and it's like, you could do that. And that's, you know, look, it's, it's why I appreciate. You know, people like yourself stepping up because it's like you know people look at the music and they look at the thing. And it's like, but if you don't know how someone got there, you don't know someone what they're doing to maintain it. You can't then see it before it gets famous, yep. before it gets popular, and that's
1: when we really need to to be there for people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think I'm really trying to like define the balance of what sharing and oversharing is as well right now, like through my art, like um understanding that there's like a very very useful part of sharing personal parts of your life with your audience whereas bands you know from the 70s like dude you got their music and you got that's that's it you didn't get their fucking hey this is how i feel today and you didn't get to go hey dude how do you feel today it just didn't happen um i think that there is a brilliant way to ride the line of you know, letting people know what you're going through, which is, you know, I'm talking about me being able to share my personal story, but not letting that overshadow the art. And that's that's what I'm really trying to find right now. That's part of where I I've, I feel like a lot of the things we've talked about, is I, I personally only like to talk to, about things that I've gone through. You understand? Like, I don't like to talk about something with confidence that I'm halfway through, right? I like to get through it. And then, you know, now I'm 650 days without drugs and alcohol granted to a person that's 30 years fucking sober. I'm in the baby territory, but I can also say that I'm not 30 days there. I'm, I'm deep into it now. I can speak on it more. And, um, just, just really that's where I'm at right now of trying to find new things. Like I I feel like I've gone through things and now where I'm at right now, this chapter is like finding out how to continue to share what the fuck is going on with my life and how that's affecting my, the music I make, but also not let that be what's speaking for me. Let my music and my art always speak for me, but I want them to get to know what it, what I want them to know what it's like to know an artist in 2021 without knowing everything about the artist in 2021, you know? Uh, All right, man, listen, I I can't tell you how much fun it's been talking to you. I'm so psyched. Uh,
0: You know, listen, on a personal level, it's just been, it's been as fun as hell talking with you, but also like, I'm learning a lot. I'm hoping everybody learns a lot. And, you know, look, you're having a lot of success personally and professionally, man, I'm getting sober, uh, you know, doing your music, man. I just congratulations. And honestly, best of luck to you. This is uh, it's a fantastic story. And i am I'm so
1: glad it's happening for you. All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Like I said, man, long live good journalism and good conversation. That's the real cool. The real cool is having something to say. You definitely have a lot to say, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll have to do this again soon.
0: So there you have it. Mod's son talking about his concept of what it means to him to be a rock star and how he's trying to build a life that is both artistically fulfilling and sustainable over the long haul in terms of his health and well being. Now, there was a lot to take away from the conversation with Mod, not the least of which is my hope that there is a revival of interest in the movie Grease 2. But one of the meta messages that I think is so important is how easily we can put ourselves or others in boxes where we set limits on who we can be and what we can do. I mean, think about it. Even in the world of celebrities and rock stars who are supposed to be the rebels and the free spirits living the dream, there are still all these rules and expectations that are limiting. And I'm really glad Maude is talking about this particular path because there is no reason that having an exciting and inspirational life means that you have to harm yourself with drugs, alcohol, or other unhealthy behaviors. If that feels like an authentic path for you, I'm not judging that. But it's important that people know that there are other ways to be a rock star, and that goes for any area of our life. There are many ways to be a spouse, parent, friend, family member, artist, entrepreneur, athlete, or worker. Whatever our authentic path is, we can't let the expectations of others or the limits that we may put upon ourselves dictate who we can be. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear in the podcast, subscribe on your favorite app, give us a rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.